you and everyone else on the planet have never done what you're doing in the way you're doing it in the market you're doing it at the time you're doing it. Being able to say, you know what? I don't have to be the expert. I don't have to be the guy getting the trophies and the awards and all of this. I can surrender the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> because anyone in my position would have no idea what they're doing. And that's okay. The important thing is taking one more step up the mountain because anybody can do that. That is the voice of Curtis J. Morley, author of The Entrepreneur's Paradox and How to Overcome the 16 Pitfalls Along the Startup Journey. He joins me today to discuss finding opportunity and creating the map for your success. You're listening to the podcast with John C. Lemon. Mr. Morley, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, John. I'm really honored to be here. An interesting description of the entrepreneur's paradox is that it's the very thing that starts people off in business and also the very thing that prevents them from succeeding. And entrepreneurs get into business by becoming a skilled craftsperson. They do an amazing job at baking cupcakes or maybe building software or video games or producing a magazine doesn't matter what it is, they're really good at. People typically taste their cupcakes. They say, man, this is the best cake, cupcake I've ever had. You need to start a business. And the light bulb goes off and, and they go, well, of course I do. If I make great cupcakes, then of course I know how to make a great business. And unfortunately, the two have nothing to do with each other. Making cupcakes or video games or software or guitars or anything is not the same as making a business. And, and that's the paradox is that the person that starts a business, they're typically the best in the world at something. And in order for their business to succeed, they have to give up being the best in the world at that thing in order to be the best in the world at building their business. Before VHS became the recording platform of choice, there are those who made the argument that beta was actually better. VHS is what survived and became commonplace in homes. We see different examples of the best product isn't always the one that ends up in the household. There's a saying that, that I'll share with several entrepreneurs as I coach and mentor them. I ask them a question. Do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Do you want to be famous or do you want to be flush with cash? Entrepreneurs get really attached to whatever it is they make. They get really attached to, I've got the best product out there, um, which is great. but here in Utah, we have what's called the, the salt flats over by the Great Salt Lake. Creating the best product is, um, is akin to putting a billboard on the salt flats. <laughs> it might be the best billboard you've ever seen, but there's only going to be one person that sees it. It's no good because there's not the additional pieces of the business. And oftentimes, you know, the reason I ask them, do you want to be rich or do you want to be right? is because they hold so tightly to their product 
they're, they're not able to expand and say, what do I need to do with my business? What do I need to do to make this a success? How do I break out? Even if it's may not be the best technology like VHS, <laughs> then how do I make it so that the world still adopts it? That I think those two things are so critical. I want to reach a larger audience. In order to do that, am I making concessions somewhere? Am I making compromises somewhere? Or is it simply a different way of approaching the business in order to be successful? It's a progression. It really is. Getting into business because you make that best cupcake or you're the best radio voice out there or whatever it is, that's the first step. And it's critical. It's necessary. If that didn't happen, no one would start a new business because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> and so that is a critical first step. It has to happen. As long as that person stays in that first step, they'll keep bumping up against this glass ceiling. And the reason why is we only have 24 hours in the day. I have 24 hours. You have 24 hours. Elon Musk has 24 hours. Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, they all have 24 hours. When I work with entrepreneurs and mentor and coach them, the, the typical thing that I do is I actually, this is, this is going to sound abrupt, but I, I rip out their identity. I say, okay, it's no longer time to be the world's best cupcake maker. And we reinstall a new operating system. That operating system is that it's time to be the best at creating a business instead of the best at creating a product. And it doesn't mean that you have to give up your expertise, your passion, your love for that product. It actually enhances that product. It enhances the ability to give it to more people and provide that joy with whatever your product is to more people. Yes, you are the best at this, but it's time to lay that to rest. And it's time to put on a new pair of clothes. And also maybe put on a different hat. You mentioned in your book a pitfall of wearing too many hats. That's tied to identity as well. Determining what your new priorities are to make a, a successful business. If someone is wearing too many hats, how do they get out of that rut in prioritizing their time? It really comes down to trust. There's three key pieces of that trust so that you can start taking off those hats one at a time. And it's funny, when I, I started my first business, and actually the reason I wrote the book, The Entrepreneur's Paradox, is because I have made all of these mistakes, John. It's not, <laughs> I didn't come in as a guru and said, hey, look at my Harvard degree. This is awesome. I know exactly what's going on. No, I made every single one of these. And it wasn't just once. <laughs> it was two, three, four times. I was an expert at making these mistakes. And, and that's exactly what I did is I put on not only, so my first company was a full service media agency. Uh, we did everything from logo design to branding, TV, radio commercials, websites, and heavy backend database. Our company was really known for interactive media. So the really fun, cool websites that you would see. And so I had that hat on. Um, we talked about earlier, you know, being the expert. At the time, I took an international certification that tens of thousands of people took. And I luckily was ranked number two in the world at, at this type of media development. Man, I was so proud of that. Written up in magazines and all of this stuff. Every single one of those accolades was actually stopping my business from progressing because I clung to that so tightly that, hey, look how cool I am. I've got this amazing title of best in the world of this. And I had to rip that out. I had to pull that out of myself and say, 
you know what? I love doing this and I'm passionate about doing this, but it's time for me to put on the big boy pants, so to speak. And it's time for me to take my business to the next level. How about I'd be really good at understanding all the pieces and parts of building a business. And that includes sales. That includes marketing. That includes counting. That includes all these things. At first, I put on all of those hats myself. And, you know, I, I had a stack of hats. I was, my hats were huge. It wasn't, that was another thing that was stopping my progression is that I needed to take off the accounting hat and say, Hey, there's somebody that got a degree in this that's so much better than I will ever be at accounting. Here, let me give you that hat and then take off the legal hat and say, you know what? There's actually people that have, they, they went to school for eight years to do this and I didn't. I'm going to give that hat to a lawyer all the way down to the actual development, that interactive media that I personally was developing, I had to give that away too. And talk about a gut wrencher. Holy cow. That was that, you know, that's my baby. That's what I built my company on. But it wasn't until I was able to give that away that I found the freedom to start building my business and find accelerated growth. It takes a lot of trust. As you just mentioned, what was the final push for you? What was the light bulb that went off? What flip got switched that that made that possible for you? It was tough with my first company. On the outside, things looked amazing. You know, we were getting in awards and you know, the trophy shelf was building and the magazine articles kept coming in and, and all of those things, which at the time I thought was the coolest thing ever. I realized that that was actually damaging me as a person. You look at the outside, it's all rainbows and roses. And you look on the inside. And it was a mess. I was staying up three and four nights without sleep, developing these websites and then trying to do payroll the next day, not spending time with my family like I needed to, and letting things in the business fall through the cracks that I didn't have to. The only way to do it is just make that decision that you're going to trust and see what happens and surrender the outcome. Tell me about imposter syndrome and your experience with that. It's funny because with entrepreneurship, Imposter syndrome is baked in. It is absolutely a part of entrepreneurship. And it's funny because if you would have looked at my first business, I'm winning Entrepreneur of the Year and 40 Under 40 and all these awards and all this stuff. And I'm sure that people from the outside were looking at me and saying, oh man, Curtis has got it figured out. And I'm probably saying the same thing that people were saying about me. The reason I say it's baked in to entrepreneurship is because it's part of the process. If you think about what is an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is someone that's building something that's never been built in a market that has never existed before in a time on the planet we've never seen. It's just never been done. Entrepreneurs do what's never been done. And if you think about that, it doesn't matter if you've got the Harvard MBA or the degree from Stanford or any of that. You're still going to be an imposter. <laughs> it's just going to happen because you and everyone else on the planet have never done what you're doing in the way you're doing it, in the market you're doing it, at the time you're doing it. You mentioned climbing a mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro. Why? <laughs> you know, I get... That's the answer everyone asks. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? There's a saying about Kilimanjaro. You can't go up without coming down changed. And, and it's true. Every single person in our expedition came down a different person. It was beautiful. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done physically 
I have nothing to compare it to. There's nothing that says Kilimanjaro is like, because there's no like. <laughs> there, there is no like. There's nothing that I can say it's as hard as or it's like this. It's life-changing. It's exploring how much is inside. It's exploring who am I as a person? You know, how far up the mountain can I go? That's why I climb the mountain, is to explore that and find that the person I thought I was is actually a different person than I am now. So you talk about the idea of creating the map, make the plan, and engineering your goals. Talk to me about that. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book, The Entrepreneur's Paradox, is helping them understand their potential, helping them understand what's possible and the greatness that's inside them. This is where it happens. It's funny because most entrepreneurs, they have that great skill. They have that expertise and they wake up excited to build video games or make cupcakes or be an awesome radio host, whatever it is. They wake up every morning with that thought in mind. When I get them out of the swamp, when I get them out of wrestling the alligators every day, then all of a sudden this amazing world opens up and they see up above, they see these mountain peaks. And then they realize it's time to climb. One metaphor you use is swamp. I would like you to define that. And the second metaphor is alligators. Most entrepreneurs, they'll get into business. They're not born as entrepreneurs. They, they typically are in another day job doing their thing. And on occasion, they'll take a little flight over to Entrepreneur Island. They'll sit on the beach and they'll build these amazing sandcastles and they'll pull in some great fish and people love what they're doing. And then they fly back, you know, wake up the next day and they're doing their same thing they've always done with their boss. But occasionally they will say, you know what, I'm moving to the island permanently. I'm going to move over and they're sitting on the beach and they look behind them and out of the bush comes an alligator. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. No, I'm, I'm building sandcastles. I'm pulling in fish. I, wait, this is not what I expected. And that alligator comes in the form of learning how to do payroll or accounting or an angry customer or late night sessions or whatever it is that they weren't expecting. All they saw was the beach. They saw this is amazing. Now I can sit here and sip my coconut and, and it's beautiful. And then these alligators come out and then every day they wake up they build their sandcastle, they pull in the fish, and then they wrestle the alligator. And they keep wrestling the alligator. It happens over and over again. And soon they find out that the boss they left behind is actually a lot better than their current boss, which is this person, <laughs> which is themselves. It's not until they, they break out of the paradox and they figure out that you've got to drain the swamp. In order to break free, you don't wrestle alligators, you drain the swamp and the alligators leave by themselves. Draining the swamp means not wearing all the hats, means creating processes, means training people so that they can do the work the same way you would do it because you are the expert. That's what it means to drain the swamp. And, and it's hard to drain the swamp when you're eye to eye with the alligator. It's really hard. <laughs> it takes a very conscious decision to be able to say, you know, even though the alligator's right here, I'm going to step out, I'm going to drain the swamp create those processes, hire the right people, make the systems so that I don't have to wrestle alligators ever again. And that's where they break free and say, okay, now it's time to climb the mountain. We need guides to get us up mountains. We need a guide to get us safely down the mountain. You address the whole idea of guides in your book. And you also talk about the whole idea of not traveling alone. 
and how to break the cycle of traveling alone. So it's fun because I wrote the book. I wrote, well, probably three-fourths of the book before climbing Kilimanjaro. And like I talk about, I came back down a changed person. And I rewrote the entire book <laughs> because it was such an impactful experience. When we were climbing the mountain, it's impossible to do by yourself. We spent five days climbing the mountain. And that was actually very fast, typical seven to 10 days. Just thinking about the amount of food required. Who's carrying the food? Who's making sure you're on the right path? There's a common saying in business that it's lonely at the top. If you're starting in your own business, you're at the top of your company. And... It's an absolute fallacy because you don't have to be lonely at the top. In fact, the statistics say that if you have a mentor or a coach or a guide that can take you up, you're 87% more likely to succeed. And the stats actually grow year after year. The more you have that mentor, the more likely you are to succeed. And not only can you get a guide, but you can also ask your peers, you know, climb with other people that are climbing. Find other people that are on that journey and be friends with them because it doesn't have to be lonely. And again, I fell into this pitfall. I thought I had to do it all myself. I thought I had to have all the answers. I couldn't go ask people. I couldn't be vulnerable and say, hey, I'm kind of struggling here. What did you do when you built a sales team? Or, hey, how did you figure out this accounting problem? You know, I had all these people around me that were doing the same thing I was doing that may have had that experience, but I wasn't asking. I wasn't saying, hey, can you share with me? And I didn't get a mentor. I didn't get a coach or a guide. And that was something that would have incredibly increased my rate of success. Is having somebody that's already climbed their own mountain. They can make sure that you don't fall in those pitfalls. I'm just not a people person. What would you say to that? I would absolutely say, that's okay. What do you want? If you're not a people person, it doesn't matter. Do you want this business to succeed? Then you're going to become a people person. <laughs> if you want to do it the easy way instead of the hard way, you're going to get a mentor. I think it really comes down to the fear. I'm going to be vulnerable and say, here's my finances. This is how much I make a year. Those are scary things. Being willing to step into that vulnerable space is not only freeing, but it's an accelerant. It speeds up the process of business. You know all the statistics about unemployment, phenomenal numbers across the nation of people filing for unemployment for the very first time. Tell me why starting a business will be a good idea in an environment such as this. This, this is one of my favorite questions. It seems like the exact opposite. It seems like, man, what are you talking about? Business <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, uh, all these businesses are failing, etc. And there's unemployment. When I get asked, is now a good time to start a business? I give an emphatic yes. Not, not just a yes, an emphatic yes. And the reason why is that right now, there is an immense amount of change. And another word for change is opportunity. Every time there's change, there's opportunity. And yes, people are losing their jobs. And yes, businesses are closing their doors. But if I can illustrate with a, a point, um, with a story, one of my favorite young entrepreneurs, her name's Kylie Chen, before the pandemic, she's actually the one that took me up Mount Kilimanjaro right before the pandemic. And she owns a travel expedition company. And as you can imagine, with coronavirus going on, the entire world shut down. Travel stopped. People just aren't going out of their own country anymore. It's not happening. 
And so you think, well, what business is going to get hit hardest? Well, travel's a pretty good, pretty good guess. And that was her whole business. And instead of throwing up her hands and playing the victim, instead of saying, well, there goes my business. Oh, well, nothing I can do about it. Kylie didn't say that at all. She took a really critical look and said, did the need go away? Did the demand go away? Well, no, people still love to travel. People still love to experience adventure and become new people as they climb mountains and all of those things. They want to feel that freedom and that excitement of exploring. That demand hasn't gone away. But again, change. Change creates opportunity. So Kylie said, well, where did that demand go? If it's no longer traveling abroad, where did that demand go? Well, the demand is now here domestically. So she created a second company called Wonder Camp where she does glamping and travel expedition experiences in some of the most amazing parts in the U.S. Instead of just throwing up her hands and saying, well, nothing I can do, my industry shut down, she said, where's the need? And right now, there are so many needs, and there's so many things that have changed, which means there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurs to say, I'm going to meet the need in this new, different way. Change happened which means now I've got that opportunity to meet that need in a different way that nobody's doing yet. The question has been asked, are leaders born, are leaders made? Business acumen, what does that mean to you? Understanding what drivers propel the business forward, that's what business acumen is. And can leaders be made? I think leaders choose. Leaders make a choice that I am going to step up this mountain and bring people with me. The thing I love about entrepreneurs, I love this, is they've got this indefatigable drive to just make things happen at any cost. They're willing to just, it doesn't matter what obstacle, it doesn't matter if coronavirus shuts down travel, they're going to make it happen. And I, <laughs> in my own experience, I was short on payroll a couple of times, so I actually sold my car to make up the difference on a hard loan. Then the next week I bought it back when the client paid their bill. It's that drive of, I don't care what's happening right now. I'm going to find a way. That's what I love about entrepreneurs and their leadership abilities. Mr. Morley, thank you for joining me for today's conversation. Thanks so much, John. I really enjoyed it. Curtis J. Morley, author of The Entrepreneur's Paradox and How to Overcome the 16 Pitfalls Along the Startup Journey. For additional information, on the Entrepreneur's Paradox, visit www.entrepreneursparadox.com. That's our podcast for today. I'm John C. Lemon. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.